Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to another all-new edition of geek to me Radio. Today we are joined by comedian and magician Kyle Marlott about his upcoming show here in St. Louis. We'll then talk to Tom Stockman regarding his upcoming event, the History Museum of St. Louis, History of the Drive-In Theaters. We'll take your calls on the Save Lucifer, Pick Up Lucifer movement on Twitter and more. Stand by. And if you are in the greater St. Louis area right now listening to us on 1380 AM or 105.3 FM, thank you very much for tuning in on this Memorial Day weekend. If you're hearing us in parts out there in the world, streaming us live, thank you for finding us. And of course, if you're hearing this after the fact in the podcast form on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or Podomatic, we greatly appreciate your subscribing and listening each week. We're going to jump right to it. My first guest is a magician actor-comedian Kyle Marlett. He will be in town at the Gaslight Theater June 1st and 2nd. This guy has been on The Tonight Show, Sci-Fi, Penn & Teller's Fool Us, The CW, Pops Don't Blink, and more. Kyle, thanks very much for being on air today. Hey, man. How's it going? Good, good. So, uh, obviously, the magician part, we can't really show anything because this is radio. So I apologize in advance for my lack of video presentation. But um, that that means they have to come to my show. Exactly. At the Gaslight Theater, which is such a fantastic uh, venue. Have have you been through St. Louis before? Yeah. So I I played uh, the Gaslight Theater last year, uh, last summer, and it sold out instantly, which was amazing. I had never done a show in St. Louis, uh, like a public show in St. Louis. Uh, so it was amazing to have the response, and everybody was incredible, and there's standing ovation, and we hung out afterwards and did photos and selfies. It was great. And so this year, this year we came back and we added a second show uh, to Saturday. So it's uh, June first and second at 7:30 p.m. Uh, tickets are I think 15 bucks in advance, 20 at the door. Uh, like I said last year, we sold out. We had to kind of turn people away, which I always hate doing. So I'm hoping that people can get tickets before they're sold out and come to the show. So grab those in advance because, like I said, sold out last time. Uh, it'd be great to be able to see you while you're here. Um, you can check also Kyle out at the website, kylemarlet.tv. He's got YouTube stuff. Yep. If you want to see his tricks, which obviously I can't show you and he can't show you because this is radio, but that way at least you can see his tricks. What got you into magic? What was uh, kind of, kind of Tell us the origin yeah, well, I've, you know, I've done magic since I was four years old, and I've been very fortunate with this is all I've ever done, which is very cool, and I'm very grateful for that. And I, I got magic. I just saw a magician on TV, you know, like most people, and then I started reading books in the library, started performing locally, and uh, and then that's all I ever did. I, I literally you know, dropped out of high school to perform and, you know, pursue my career. And when I was about uh, when I was about 18 years old, I guess I moved to Las Vegas because that's where you know as, that's where I thought you had to be as a magician and right. an entertainer. Uh, and uh, it was 
it was like I had six months worth of money and uh, for bills. And if I didn't, you know, make it, I didn't make it. If I did, I did. And luckily I did. And uh, so then when I was about 20 years old, I had a show on the Las Vegas Strip, which is crazy to have billboards on the Strip, you know, at 20 years old. Yeah. Uh, and then during that time, I really kind of figured out who I was as a performer and I started creating my own magic, which, you know, it's, it's just like, um, you know, in magic, you can go to like magic shops and buy tricks or order offline and things like that. A lot of magicians don't create their own effects. Even big TV magicians like you're used to seeing, like David Copperfield, David Blaine, Chris Angel, like there's a team of people behind them uh, who are creating magic, just like talk show writers, uh, you know, talk show hosts have writers who write jokes for them, magicians have magicians who create magic. And, and, and because I started creating my own magic, I uh, started getting recognized for that, which was really cool. And then over the last um, 10 years, I've been a magic consultant for Broadway shows, music videos, other TV magicians, uh, uh, in movies, TV, anything you can think of, and which is really, really great uh, because it's cool to just create magic and see it out there. Plus, on top of that, you know, going and touring and performing all over the world. And what's really cool is I actually just have my, I have my brand new TV show that just premiered uh, a few days ago, last Thursday. Um, so the show is called Mutant Powers, like the X-Men Mutant. Cool. And the concept is that I hit the streets and I convince people that I have real mutant powers using magic effects. Uh, and then at the very end of the episode, I end up giving a real spectator, a real person on the street, I give them a superpower of their own, and they do this incredible feat. Like they say, I want telekinesis. I say, great. See that trash can over there? Make it levitate in the air. Uh, like four feet off the ground and they do and they're like crapping their pants and they're freaking <laughs> out because they have no idea how they're doing it they believe they have real superpowers uh, so it's a really cool show it's brand new it's called mutant powers and it's on facebook watch which is basically facebook's new attempt to be netflix but what's great just like facebook is completely free you don't have to buy anything you don't have to sign up for anything you just go to facebook like you watch your cat videos every day uh, <laughs> so if you go to facebook and you can either uh, type in my name kyle marlette or just the words mutant powers up in the search bar and you'll see the show page. Uh, so there's five episodes. First episode aired last Thursday and that's the classic power episode. So we kind of uh, do an overall um, episode about all the classic powers, telekinesis, uh, super strength, things like that. And then um, each episode has a different theme. So episode two is about um, the elements, like element control and things like that. Uh, so it's super fun. It has like this really fun, like 80s kind of, uh, nostalgic vibe to it and uh, the team involved in the show is just incredible so the show turned out really amazing I'm very proud of it and the response has been just incredible how many episodes total on that show so there's five episodes total and just like any show uh, you know the more views we get the more opportunity there is to do a season two so if you like it please share with people tag me I go on and I I, uh, I respond to any and every comment people have a really like interacting with my fans uh, and, you know, tag it, share me, you know, share it with me, reach out to me if you love it, reach out to me if you hate it. Uh, I don't really care. As long as you're sharing <laughs> it with people, that's all that matters. Cause you know, I really want a season two because this show is unlike any magic show that's ever been on TV before or any video form. Uh, so it's, you know, really original or really different and unique. It's really funny. It's a really funny show. Uh, so, I really, so I really think people are going to love it. And uh, you were on Penn and Teller's Fool Us. I've loved Penn and Teller, always loved Penn and Teller. Uh, was that at all intimidating, doing your stuff for someone like that? Um, you know, not not really, because, like I said, I, I've, a lot of these guys I've created magic for, you know, as a consultant and a, and a kind of creative director and things like that. So 
at the end of the, and especially when you're in Vegas, like you, it's just like if you're in LA or Vegas or New York, you end up rubbing shoulders with these guys and you, you become friends. And most of the time, you know, you like Hollywood would like you to think that magicians have these rivalries. You know, you watch the prestige or the illusion, right. you know, these, you know, now you see me movies. Uh, but most of the time, magicians are just dorks <laughs> and they're nerds <laughs> and they just they just want to talk shop and you know share secrets and you know work on routines and you know whatever. So it's uh, so to answer your question, no. I mean, Penn and Teller. First of all, they're both really amazing and both really nice people, and and that's always nice because you do have the attention, you know, the occasional person who right. happens to be a jerk or something. But uh, so they're really great and they were very supportive of the magic community and stuff. And that's what, what's great about that show. And I often did a show with them uh, called Wizard Wars, which was on the Sci-Fi Network yeah. a few years ago. And there were two seasons of that show and they also were on that show. So I had a, you know, I had a history with them and, and they're very supportive. They're really, you know, they're really honestly, um, the only celebrity magician or magicians that are very supportive of the magic community. Most people, uh, you know, really focus on themselves and try to be that, you know, rock star persona or something, but they, they really are supportive. They want magic to grow because the more magic grows, the more shows they can do, the more tickets they sell. Sure. Magic is on you know TV and in the news. So you mentioned the Facebook thing, the mutant powers show you've got, are you, uh, are you an X-Men nerd? Was that kind of like the, the crux of the name for the show? So, kind of. Yeah. So, um, I, love movies like as if, if you're going to subcategorize my nerdism it's movies like i just adore movies and of course like my favorite trilogy is back to the future and then indiana jones and yes. all these things and uh, like i i have a i have a soul of a person who was born in the 80s like i just love 80s and the nostalgicness of it and so that's where it all came from and then uh, a couple of years ago i started a company called mutantpowers.net and you can go to it and basically we're an online magic shop, but for nerds. Huh. So, uh, and you don't have to be a magician to, you know, to do these effects. So basically, they're more like James Bond gizmos and gadgets that make it look like you're a real superhero. So it's perfect if you cosplay or perfect if you just want to live out your fandom or something. Uh, and so last year, we, uh, last year I went to, I think, I don't know, I think it was like 48 uh, Comic-Cons throughout the United States last wow. year. And we had, a, we had a, so my company came with me. We had a booth. And it was very, it was amazing. The response was incredible. We made so many new fans. And you can come to the booth and you can buy, you know, these effects. And you, so you can start levitating stuff and shoot fireballs from your hand and control electricity <laughs> and all these crazy things. Uh, and the online response has been really amazing. So yet again, you can go to my website, kylemarlat.tv. Uh, you can take a look at all these, you know, these gizmos and gadgets that make you look like you're a real superhero. So the show kind of came from uh, that company that I started. And uh, so to answer your question, yes, I love X-Men. I love Marvel. I love, you know, anything and everything that involves movies and comic books and, you know, theater and things like that. Fantastic. And you can catch them at the Gaslight Theater. Again, that's an awesome venue to be performing at June 1st and 2nd. Uh, the second show there, just to make sure if you want tickets, get them early because the last time he was in town, it sold out. And uh, you'll be able to see some very, very cool effects. You can check them out, kylemarlet.tv, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Kyle Marlett. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you got some other stuff to do, but thank you so much for spending part of your Memorial Day Sunday with us. Great. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Anytime. Take care. Bye-bye. There he goes. Kyle Marlett, an 80s fan, just like me. I love it. We're going to be right back talking with Tom Stockman of We Are Movie Geeks all about his upcoming event, A History of the St. Louis Drive-In, right after this. So stand by. 
Hi, this is Karen Sony, and you're listening to me on Geek to Me Radio. Lucky you. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I'm rocking my penis. We are back. Geek to Me Radio. Thank you once again to Kyle Marlett for being on air with us, talking about his upcoming show at the Gaslight, June 1st and 2nd. You can grab those tickets, check out more of his cool stuff at Kyle Marlett, M-A-R-L-E-T-T dot TV. We're joined right now by Tom Stockman from We Are Movie Geeks. He's got an upcoming event at the Missouri History Museum for all you drive-in theater enthusiasts. Tom, thanks for being on air. Thanks for having me. All right. My fault. There you go. Okay. Thanks for having me, James. <laughs> no problem. Um, so we last had you, uh, we talked about the one you did at the Missouri History Museum mm-hmm. about the toys. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so this one, uh, similar type thing, what's kind of, uh, what kind of stuff will people be seeing? Well, it's a 90-minute it's a illustrated lecture or talk. It's called An Illustrated History of the St. Louis Drive-In Movie Theaters, and it's just what it sounds. I will be... Uh, talking and i have a powerpoint presentation i've been collecting images of drive-ins let me back up a little bit um johnny rabbit the legendary st louis broadcaster hosts a monthly event at the history museum uh, a speaker series and he has it and i often speak he'll invite three or four or five speakers and he'll, he'll pick a subject and we'll speak about six months ago his theme was lost st louis things that used to be in st louis that aren't anymore that we miss and i thought i'll talk about drive-ins because i used to love to go to the drive-ins so i did a 15 minute talk as part of that series that was during the day and i just became more interested in the subject i started doing more and more research and i got a hold of some people at Warenberg at Warenberg theaters that ran or owned almost all the st louis county drive-ins at some point and i like i said i started collecting more and more images and Finally, I came to the realization I could do a whole 90-minute talk about the, the drive-in. So I, I contacted Aaron over at the History Museum, and I go, let's do an evening, and we'll just do this whole drive-in thing. And he said, let's do it. So it's coming up June 14th. June 14th. That's yeah. what I was going to ask you the date. Yeah. Um, and uh, if people want to find out more, they can, you said the, it's on Facebook.com. Uh, just- uh, you can go to Facebook and, and type in an illustrated history of the drive-in theater. You'll see the Facebook invite. There's some information on it at the Missouri History Museum's website as well. And so in doing your research, um, mm-hmm. obviously the one I think of when I think of the drive is the yeah. Skyview over in Belleville. That's the one that's – that's the closest one that's still open. But there's also, um, obviously way before my time, the uh, – the, I think it's the airway off the St. Charles Rock Road right. that's the huge marquee out. Right. So uh, when, was, when was the last drive-in in St. Louis? Uh, uh, the, the final drive-in in St. Louis was the North Twin, which was up at 367 and uh, 270 in Jennings. That didn't close until 2001. Really? Yeah, that was the huh. last one. 66, which was uh, on Watson across from Crestwood Plaza. I, th- I, I think that was the second to last one to close in the St. Louis area. I think it closed around 95. So I know the Skyview, they just renovated everything over there. Um, talking yeah. just about that one because it's the most accessible for yeah. people here. Um, it, I wonder, because a lot of people go over there and like, well, this is really cool. With everything old being new again, I'm surprised yeah. someone hasn't thought of the idea of, hey, Let's try putting one in. Or is it just they're too expensive? They're too well, costly? What was the death of it? Well, they are expensive. Well, there were several things that contributed to the decline, the, the end of the drive-ins. A lot of it had to do with the uh, property values of the land that these drive-ins oh. sat on. If you think about it, when, when these drive-ins were built in the 40s and 50s, they were kind of built out, out in the boonies. They were built out in far St. Louis County. Well, as St. Louis expanded out towards the county, um, that that land just became too valuable for, mm. for something that was only open at night, that was only open several months out of the year. Uh, the Warenbergs built the first, well, the second drive-in, I should say, right, that, which was the 66 drive-in, which I mentioned. They built that in 1948, and they paid less than $100 per acre, and then they sold it 
when they tore down that drive-in in the mid-'90s, uh, they, they sold that land for $4 million. Um, so that gives you an idea of, of how much you know, the property value went up. That's one reason. Also, you know, the VHS era, which began in the, in the early 80s, a lot of schlocky, sleazy European horror films and low-budget horror films that you could only see at drive-ins. There's a, lot of, a lot of movies only played at drive-ins. Uh, and a lot of those, now you can see them on VHS. So uh, that, was, that was another reason. And another thing is that a lot of drive-ins were, run, were mom-and-pop operations. Yeah. They were run by, a, you know, a couple, and maybe their, maybe their children or their grandchildren just didn't feel like, feel like running that business again. Hmm. I think it had something to do with it as well. But I, but I say the, the major factor in the death of the drive-ins was probably the, the, the real estate, the real estate value. And that's why they're, they're, the ones that are they're still open, the, the Skyview does real well. There's one out in um, Cadet, Missouri, which is near DeSoto. It's called the Star Line. It's, a, it's on Highway 21, about 60 miles from St. Louis. Um, and that's just really out in, the, out in the middle of nowhere. Hmm. I mean, it's really dark there. Um, so that one's open because that, that land's probably not worth that much, and they were able to upgrade um, to the digital system, so they stayed open. And I was I put, found it on Facebook fairly easily. If you just go on Facebook.com, type in drive-in, it'll come up, an illustrated history of the St. Louis drive-in movie theaters. How much, uh, when you say you were doing research, how mm. far back did you go? How, much, how long did all this uh, research and collection of the pictures, where do you have to go to get all these things? Oh, uh, very... I, I got some from the Post-Dispatch archives. I got some from the Werenberg archives. They, I, I got some great pictures from the Werenberg archives of, of like, the Ronnie's drive-in actually yeah. be, being built. Oh, cool. Um, and being torn down. Uh, yeah, I got a lot of images from Werenberg. Uh, some photographer friends of mine uh, provided me with images because uh, drive-ins were very, you know, photogenic and sort of colorful, and, and people would go over there and take pictures of them. So, uh, uh, and then a, lot, then a lot of old Movie ads are really kind of fun to look at. You know, Dust to Dawn, sleazy horror movie, triple feature. Uh, I have some of those that will have part of the presentation as well. Uh, as far as going back, the first St. Louis drive-in was built in 1940. The, sa- the first drive-in in the country was built, I think, around 1933, and that was in New Jersey. But St. Louis, the first drive-in, it was actually just called The Drive-In, hmm. and it was where West County Mall sur- currently sits, right okay. at uh, Ballas and in Manchester. Uh, and that was built in 1940, and it was the only drive-in in the St. Louis area for about eight years until the Ronnies opened, and then it then it changed its name from the drive-in to the Manchester drive-in, and then that was open until uh, the late 60s, and then they built, of course, West County Mall, and they tore that down. Hmm. So that's the first one there. There was a, one over in Illinois uh, that also was open around 1940, and that's got a really bizarre story behind it. It's, it was called the Mounds Drive-in, and it was right in the middle of the Cahokia Mounds, and Believe it or not, in 1939, they bulldozed some of the Cahokia Mounds to build a drive-in. Wow. I know, I know. Um, it, it's bizarre. You know, the, the whole irony is us, us drive-in enthusiasts are always complaining about how they bulldoze the drive-ins <laughs> to put in a lame strip mall. <laughs> right. Um, and, 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 peop, and people would actually climb on the other mounds and, and could see the screen. So people would, instead of just paying to go to the drive-in, they would park and then walk up to the mounds and they could see the screen from the other mounds. Um, that that was the first Illinois drive, or the first St. Louis area, Metro East area uh, drive-in was the Mounds drive-in. Um, 
There was some there were some cool ones in Illinois. You know, St. Louis had the Airway Twin and the North Twin and the South Twin and the 66 and the 44. But the ones in Illinois had cooler names. <laughs> they had the Bel Air. They had the Capri. Hmm. They had the Futura. What a great name. So for they're naming driving. them after cars, it yeah, sounds like. Yeah, a lot of like. those were named after cars. Uh, George James, who owns the High Point Theater, actually owned the Futura Drive-In, which was just across the river over in uh, Cahokia. Hmm. Uh, that was a, that was a, I never, but I never went to a lot of those. I was born in 1961, which was kind of the peak of the drive-ins. Early 60s, there was over 4,000 drive-ins across the country. There are less than 400 now. Hmm. Um, so I didn't. I, I what I saw growing up was sort of the end of the drive-ins, the twilight of the drive-ins, and so that's what that's a lot of what I'll be talking about. And and you can set uh, if you want to come to that event. Is it, is it a free event or it's they a free buy tickets? Event, it, indeed. And also, there's a, a little bonus to the event. Uh, Kevin Rennick is a local singer songwriter. Kevin is best known for his song "Up in the Air," which played during the closing credits of the movie "Up in the yeah. Air" with George George Clooney, which was filmed here. Uh, Kevin plays all around town. Kevin, he's an old friend of mine. I just happened to ask him one day. I said, "Have you, have you ever written a song about the drive-ins?" And he said, "Oh yeah, I wrote this song called Twilight of the Drive-ins. It's about all the old St. Louis drive-ins." And how we miss them and how they've been all torn down. And I said, well, let's do that. So he's actually going to perform that song during uh, this presentation. He's also going to do another song at the beginning, too. Okay. So there's a lot to see. And, again, the event's free. It's at the History Museum. Uh, you can check out the event again. Facebook, just look, yeah. type in "Drive In" and Illustrated History of the St. Louis Drive-In Movie Theaters. We're going to come back and talk okay. a little bit more with Tom Stockman right after the break. And after that, we'll get to your calls about the Save Lucifer, Pick Up Lucifer movement on Twitter. For those Lucifer fans out there, stand by. Hi there, this is Paris Tong, also known as Holly Quinn, or Raven, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. We are back live. This segment brought to you by, appropriately, Marcus Theaters. Marcus Theaters, uh, they've uh, renovated the Ronnie's, which used to be the drive-in, and mm-hmm. it was uh, Werenberg Ronnie's. Now it's Marcus Ronnie's, and it's still a very cool place to go. And Memorial Day weekend, today and tomorrow, if you go to Marcus, show them your rewards card. They have double points for all you Marcus reward holders. If you haven't seen Solo yet, you can experience it in IMAX. Ultra Screen DLX, Super Screen DLX, and if you haven't seen Deadpool 2 yet, I'm going to go see it a second time. They have a mini collectible If you, when you get your ticket while they last at Select Marcus Theaters. If you're worried about whether or not uh, you're going to be able to make a showtime, whether or not they've got one in your area, go to their website, marcustheaters.com. Locations in Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, North Dakota, Ohio, and Wisconsin. And there's always, always a good time. Uh, we do like the drive-ins, but, man, I wouldn't trade my air conditioning in the summer. for uh, That's why they're always at night, the drive-in movie theaters. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can still get tickets for A Quiet Place. Buy one ticket. Get one ticket free if you haven't seen that. Get your tickets now to see Pixar, Disney's Incredibles 2, which comes out June 14th as well. Lots of stuff to see and do. Do it in first class. Do it at a Marcus Theaters. We're talking with Tom Stockton from We Are Movie Geeks. Where can people find you on the internet if they want to look up We Are Movie Geeks and all that kind oh, of stuff? WeAreMovieGeeks.com. And any Twitter or anything handles? Or, oh, uh, yeah, we've got uh, well, a hashtag Tom Stockman. That's my Twitter handle. And, and I'm, I, I, I'm on Facebook all the time, too. And that's where the event, too, if you yeah. want to get more information on this, just go to Facebook, type in 
St. Louis Drive-In should pull it right up. An illustrated yeah. history of the St. Louis Drive-In at the Missouri History Museum down there at 5700 Lindell Boulevard, June 14th. So you can check that yeah, out. 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. We were talking about the uh, the Cahokia Mounds, which I had no yeah, idea. The mounds. They, drive-in, yeah. they demolished part of the mounds. So yeah. was that ever rebuilt? Was that, did uh, they ever? No, it the area where the drive-in was is currently part of that park there. They they did, of course, they tore down the drive-in. I think they use it for a picnic area and maybe as a parking lot since it's flattened out. Interestingly, though, the, the speaker poles, they've taken those and they've put them along the trails because there's hiking trails, and those are now trail markers, which is kind of a, a clever way to yeah. uh, reuse those. So there is a, a vestige of, the, of that drive-in still over there if you look hard enough for it. Just like the Airway Twin, which we mentioned earlier, they had that glorious neon marquee with this drum majorette and she would kick her neon leg and she would twirl her neon baton and it was just great well the the city of saint anne kept that and restored it and now it's still standing uh basically where it was i think there's a shop and save it's a shop and save yeah and they call it airway plaza but at least you know at least the city of saint anne did that and my uh my dad was the manager at that theater way back in the day uh, back in the 50s i think Uh, Uh, very interesting small world but i wouldn't want to paint it no you were talking about the olympic driving you said you had a funny story about that well olympic driving's is the one that a lot of people remember, especially people a little bit older than me. Olympic drive-in was known as the pornography drive-in, but they but you could not show hardcore pornography in say in in the city. There was an ordinance, so they would do clever things like show. Oh, like Russ Meyer movies, softcore um, European movies that had a lot of nudity, et cetera. But they would never, they would not show hardcore films there. Um, but it was on the Rock Road. It was in Riverdale, and and you could see the screen from the Rock Road as you were driving down the Rock Road. Well, you know, the drivers would get distracted by you know the naked women <laughs> on the street, and it would actually impede traffic. Uh. And the river, and the city of Riverview was always going after the Olympic Drive-In. And threatening to shut them down, threatening to sue them. And at one point, the city of Riverview made the owners of the drive-in wrap the drive-in in black tarp. And it's just like huh. it sounds. They made them construct these huge poles and take this black vinyl tarp and wrap it all the way around the drive-in so the people on the rock road couldn't could see no the drive-in. And I've got some photos of this in my um, talk. It, this this black tarp didn't last very long. I don't know if people cut it so they could see through yeah. it, but it, it became tattered pretty quickly. Mm. Um, that was There's a lot of interesting stories. And at the time... We had uh, the circuit attorney was this guy named George Peach, and if you're a little older, you probably remember this guy. But this guy was a was a holy roller crusader against pornography, and he ran on that, and he was elected several times. And of course, he got brought down in a prostitution scandal in the late eighties. Yes, <laughs> uh, George Peach, yeah. hoisted by his own petard. Exactly. Uh. Actually, and in, in another. There's the the fine arts. This wasn't a drive-in, but that was another theater. It was on Olive and UC. It was called the Fine Arts, and they showed sex films there, and uh, they were they were constantly getting busted as well. But they would show, they would show, um, they would get prints of hardcore pornography films, and they would show them. But and I remember going there once when I was fifteen and seeing this. Even you know, my older brother would drag me to these things. And uh, I remember once watching a hardcore pornography film at the Fine Arts. But there was this gray fuzzy ball on the screen, and it would block out the you know the genitalia. Okay, it block out what made it hardcore. And I remember that, and I just thought that was the oddest thing. And then about, I don't know, like three or four years ago, I'm talking to Brian Ross, who, who's one of the manager over at the High Point, and we were just talking one night. He mentioned that he had been a projectionist at the Fine Arts in the 70s. And I, and I said, wait, I remember seeing these porno films, and they would have this gray ball blocking out the, the hardcore stuff. And he goes, oh, yeah, that gray ball was me. 
Brian would have to he, Brian would have to lean out of the projection booth with a little thin stick with a little styrofoam ball on the end of the stick and hold it in the in the beam of light coming out of the projector and follow this around so the fine arts <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't get busted by the police for for these uh, anti pornography rules. It's 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 bizarre that there was this whole industry that you know that revolved around you know a glimpse of of a woman's breast or, or things like that. But uh, it, I, big audiences for that kind of stuff. Interesting job to have on your resume, yeah, too, is right. a fuzzy gray ball. <laughs> exactly. You know? And it's, how you, it's just kind of hard to wrap your head around when, you know, you can whip out your phone and yeah, nowadays. watch porno. Or, or I've heard you can. No, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned the 44 drive-in, too. Oh, yes. What, uh, the 44 drive-in was in Valley Park. Well, actually, it's called Peerless Park back then, but uh, Valley Park annexed Peerless Park at some point. Uh, right at 44 and um, 141, right there at the corner. I, I call it the cursed drive-in because it was in the worst possible location. It was sort of wedged in between railroad tracks and then the, the Merrimack River on one side and then a landfill on the other side. So you, you, I used to go there pretty often. So you would get the, the train would come by, the sound of the train would block out the audio, so you couldn't hear anything. And then the river, since it was down in the valley, the fog would roll in off the river and block the projection, uh. so you couldn't see anything. And then you would have the stench from the landfill because they weren't regulated in the seventies like they were. You could smell the landfill from the highway, but that but the stench from the landfill would come in, so you so it stink there. And then because of the proximity of the river and the landfill, the mosquitoes were incredible. I mean, just you would sit in your car and you you would watch the movie through a cloud of mosquitoes. It was crazy. And they used to sell this thing called pick, and pick was this coil. It was about I don't know six inch diameter coil and you would burn it and it would it would take about an hour to burn through its its, its little circle and it, it would burn off this insecticide and you it would keep it keep it in your car so that would keep the mosquitoes away but it just but it smelled like insecticide which is what it was and then you'd have the smell of the of the dump and everything else it was just the worst possible location so you're going to this drive-in and literally four yeah. of your five senses are getting yes. killed that's right. so you can enjoy a kind of a <laughs> but movie still, I, I went through all the time when i, when I was at 16 17 we would spend our our saturday at six flags and then we'd drive back you know we'd head east on 44 and we'd get off at the drive-in and, and spend our you know the evening hours at that 44 drive-in so based on what you're saying i take it this is not one of the drive-ins that closed due to the land being valuable no probably not i think i think the <laughs> landfill just kept growing and growing in fact i think that the landfill uses the uh, the old projection booth as the office. So, huh. Yeah. Well, there you go. And you can always find out more. Uh, Tom Stockman from We Are Movie Geeks. You can check this out June 14th, an illustrated history of the St. Louis drive-ins. Uh, the stuff we've talked on here is just touched on. I'm sure I'm mm-hmm. part of the uh, stuff you'll be covering. And obviously, on radio, we can't show you the cool pictures, which yeah. uh, he'll we have. Got a lot those. of them. So, uh, Tom Stockman, thanks so much. Tom, Appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me on, James. No problem. We'll come right back, uh, taking your calls on the Save Luther movement. If you want to call in, weigh in, why you like the TV show, what you're going to miss, we'll have all that and more. Stand by. This segment brought to you by Tenacious Eats. If you are looking for full contact dining, Tenacious Eats is the event space for you. Chef Liz Schuster plans a full 
five-course dinner paired with specialty cocktails to go along with a brilliant movie. Uh, she just did some 80s John Hughes classics. We did Pretty in Pink. We did Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Uh, for Christmas, she did Home Alone. Just got done doing a royal wedding watch party on Saturday the 19th down at the uh, West End Grill and Pub. Uh, she's just a brilliant chef, and she knows her movies, so she's kind of these two worlds colliding in a glorious array of, as I said, full-contact dining. You can go to TenaciousEats.com to check out the website, get your tickets for the upcoming events, see the menus from past events, so you can find out what there will be to uh, kind of expect. Uh, but the food's always good. There's some stuff that I'll, I'll see on the menu, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to try that, but... I end up trying it because I'm open-minded, and it's always, always just absolutely delicious. Uh, she, Like I said, she knows her food, she knows her movies, and she's bringing these two worlds together. If you've never been to one before, you owe it to yourself to check one out, TenaciousEats.com. Get your tickets right there online. Very happy to have them as one of our sponsors for geek to me Radio. Uh, so those of you who watch your TV shows, and there's a lot of stuff to take in, uh, one of the ones that I was a little unsure about, TV show on Fox aired uh, just about uh, two and a half years ago, I guess, Lucifer on Fox, based on the DC Vertigo comics character, and I watched it. It was hooked from the first episode. It's a great movie. Uh, I'm sorry, great TV series. The acting's superb. The writing's great. The music, how they kind of fit it in there for certain parts. It's almost like a character in and of itself part of the uh, the show. Tom Ellis uh, is brilliant. Uh, we've got Lauren German, German, who plays the detective in the show. It's a police procedural set with uh, the real live devil helping out this detective. Uh, it, it's almost too simplistic to describe it that way. If you're listening right now and you want to call in, because uh, the hashtag on Twitter went wild when it was announced that Fox was canceling this show after its third season. And the way it ended kind of set it up where we needed a fourth season of that. I know they're trying to shop it around. Joe Henderson, one of the showrunners, uh, has been feverishly at work trying to find it a home on Netflix or somewhere else that might pick it up. Uh, there's a vehement fan base so you're seeing the hashtag Save Lucifer, hashtag Pick Up Lucifer on Twitter trending quite often. And it's one of those shows that, like I said, they're going to be this coming Monday. It normally airs on Monday nights. This coming Monday, they're doing a special uh, episode, which kind of, I guess, in a way, will kind of help put a bow on it in case they can't find it at a new home, but also to show people what it's missing. So if you're watching this series, tune in this Monday night because obviously the ratings need to be there and tweet it, live tweet it, whatever time zone you're in. I know a lot of times if you're in Central and Mountain, you kind of get left out because a lot of the uh, showrunners, the execs, the celebrities treat on either East Coast or West Coast time. But uh, do it in the Central and Mountain time zones as well because keep those hashtags trending. The more attention it gets, the more likely it is to be picked up by another network. It'd be a good fit for uh, uh, like a Netflix original if they were to come in and take it over. Uh, I don't know if it work on the CW, but who knows? Uh, lots of things could happen. We've seen other stuff like that happen in the past where shows have come back, been picked up by a different network. We just saw it with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, you know, Fox let it go. NBC picked it up. Of course, when you've got Mark Hamill and Guillermo del Toro tweeting that, hey, this show's great. Why are you getting rid of it? That kind of helps your fan base, sure. Uh, but I know so many shows have been canceled, and there's, there's shows that I'll watch, and I get too invested in TV shows, I guess. And I, Max, I'm not sure. Are you... As much of a TV junkie as you are a movie junkie? No, not at all. I don't watch a lot of TV at all. I'm much more of a movie guy. I guess that's why my Twitter is at Max on Movies. 
<laughs> so, but you, I mean, are there any shows you're currently watching on TV, or is it just all movies? I am watching a show, though, right now. Yes, I am watching Black Lightning. My wife and I are watching that. My wife does not care about superheroes at all, and she really, really likes the show, and I like it, too. It's really well-written. Uh, Chris Williams is great as Black Lightning. It's a, it's a fun show. It's uh, got a lot of social commentary as well. We really like Black Lightning. We're watching it on Netflix right now. Hmm. You know, the first show I remember having a fan campaign to bring it back, and they were successful, was Jericho with Skeet Ulrich. Yeah. Yeah, Jericho came back, and of course, nobody was watching it anyway, so it was canceled almost immediately. But uh, but yeah, that was a fan campaign to bring a show back that actually worked. Yeah. I know the, uh, the uh, Krypton was circling the drain for a while, but I think Sci-Fi went ahead and renewed it for a second season at almost at the last minute. Um, and a lot of fans are glad about that. I think the tough thing with these shows is, like, for instance, if you if you are watching Lucifer, you're going to be watching Lucifer. If you're not, you probably aren't going to start. So even if Lucifer is saved, I don't know if new fans come on board. I always find it interesting. People are like, we need to save this show. And once it's saved, they're like, okay, our work's done. We're not going <laughs> to. Why wouldn't you keep watching it? If it switches to a different uh, station or to Netflix, then perhaps new people will come on because they can binge watch it. But yeah, it's it's, it's dicey when uh, when fans want to bring a show back because I understand that the network knows they're dedicated fans, but they're already watching. Right. We'll have to see uh, what happens going forward if uh, if it does get picked up. One of the ones I liked, and I always kind of I always uh, like to poke NBC about this because NBC and I did a, a bit when this before it was a radio show. Geek to Me Radio was a segment on Bill Cleveland's Trivia Night, and I did uh, Geek to Me Radio as a segment about pop culture, just like it is here in a full-hour uh, radio show. And I, I needled uh, NBC because they canceled Constantine, mm. which was a fantastic show. And mm. it was like, nope, sorry, we're going to pull the plug. And the outcry was very much similar to this. Uh, people like Save Constantine was constantly trending on Twitter. NBC didn't do it, and the CW stepped in, and the CW's like, you know what? We've already got the established Arrowverse. He is a DC Comics character, so they brought him over for an episode of Arrow, and it was like their highest-rated episode of that season. Now he's uh, semi-regular on Legends of Tomorrow, also on the CW. So it's it's one of those things where the character lives on. I'm not sure if that'll happen with Tom Ellis's character, if because uh, it's Fox, it's not... That's one smart way to save a, f- a fan favorite character is to bring them onto an already successful show. I mean, Legends of Tomorrow, the entire Arrowverse is very successful. You know, The Flash and and, and Supergirl. So bringing in Lucifer, who's a DC character, yeah. would make a lot more sense than maybe uh, than maybe trying to save the whole show. If again, if the fans weren't there in the first place, I'm not trying to to quash the whole uh, Save Lucifer movement, but you've done what you can already. I mean, yeah. you tuned in every week. That, that's all you could do. Yeah, that's that's about all there is to it. I mean, obviously, the more tweeting... I know uh, I, I was told somebody, I can't remember who I was speaking with, but they were saying that a lot of these uh, networks and everything will look at a, at a celebrity's twi- Twitter following. Oh, well, this guy's got a lot of Twitter followings. Yeah, we'll have him cast in our show because he's bringing all those fans, all those Twitter followers with him as potential viewers for the show. Um which I found odd. Does this mean I could be on the next season of Black Lightning? Maybe so. Maybe so. If you can, I could play a radio guy, and maybe you know uh, that they, they have to. I don't know how it would figure into the plot. <laughs> the radio station's taken hostage. It's a cameo. Yeah, and Black Lightning has yeah. to save you. That'd be great. See, uh, I I don't think either one of us combined have as many followers as Cress Williams on his own. <laughs> uh, and again, if you if you haven't seen Black Lightning, it's another CW show. Uh, not tied to the Arrowverse yet. They made that distinction. Not yet. And, and from what I understand, they've said that, you know, of course, DC loves their multiverses. There's 52 universes. And so I think that, that Black Lightning is in a different 
uh, like multiverse. That doesn't mean they won't cross over. It's right. just not happening at the same time as Arrow and everybody else. Right. So I don't know if we'll I don't know if we'll have him on this coming uh, fall's big crossover or not. That has yet to be determined. I think they were kind of wanting to see how the show did before they made that decision. Yeah, let's tie it in. So it's got uh, a second season coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It got it got greenlit pretty quick. Uh, green light. That's uh, funny because that's the drug that he's trying to get out of the city is green light. So pun intended. Um, but yeah, so let's uh, let's go ahead and take a break. Uh, we'll come right back and wrap things up here on Geek to Me Radio. Stand by. This is Sam Jones, Flash Gordon, and you are listening to Geek to Me Radio. We are back live on Geek to Me Radio. My thanks once again to Kyle Marlett, his performances of The Gaslight on June 1st and 2nd, and my other guest Tom Stockman from We Are Movie Geeks, an illustrated history of the St. Louis Drive-In at the Missouri History Museum on June 14th. Find that event on Facebook that is free and open to the public. Uh, so two cool events coming up here the first part of June for you to sink your teeth into. Uh, next week, we are going to have legendary voice actor Rob Paulson, who I love talking to voice actors and some of them just, wow. When you look at their resume of all the stuff they've done, they're like, oh my gosh, he was, that was the voice of Air Raid from Transformers. He was the voice of, you know, uh, obviously Yakko, Warner, and Pinky on Pinky in the Brain, but just all their stuff he's done. He's done two of the Turtles, so he's halfway to a full set of Turtles now. Um, very, very active on Twitter too. And he's just the nicest guy. I'm looking forward for you hearing that interview coming up Sunday of next week. So make sure you mark your calendars down to hear from Rob Paulson. We've got him for the whole hour. Uh, I want to mention our premier sponsor without whom this show would not be on the air. The city of St. Charles, their website, discoverstcharles.com. They've got a big festival going on down there right now in frontier park, uh, Memorial day weekend. If you're looking for something fun to do, Head on down there. They've got food tents, beer tents, all sorts of things set up. I believe I was told it's an Irish festival, so I'm assuming it's, uh, you know, you'll find some uh, traditional Irish music and dance uh, you can in t- uh, watch or even take part in. Uh, but there's always something, even if you want to go down there and then man, it's getting a little hot. Why don't we go up on Main Street and pop into the winery or pop into Little O's and have a gooey butter milkshake? Let's just go hit some of these shops. Lots of things to see and do in St. Charles. You can check out the website, discoverstcharles.com. Follow them on Twitter at DiscoverSTC. Uh, maybe you're looking at a wedding. Maybe you just got engaged this spring. You're looking at a new place to get married. Weddings on Main Street are beautiful. You can plan those 2019 weddings now. DiscoverSTCharles.com. Thank you again to my guests. Thank you to you all for listening. And until next week, my friends. It's not in the way you want I sound be. Good night!